Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. It's going to be a one-off message, just a standalone all by itself. And I've titled this message, Reviving Abandoned Ambitions. Reviving Abandoned Ambitions. It's a fancy name of just really asking the question, what do you do with dropped dreams in your life? What do you do when God has spoken a dream He's given you a vision for your life, and from the time that you receive the dream, the vision, and, and, and somewhere in between that coming into fruition, it's challenged, and you found yourself dropping the dream. Like, what do you do at that point? What do you do with the broken pieces, with the hardships of life? Do you give up on it fully and completely? Or do you try to pick up the pieces and continue on? And so today we're talking reviving abandoned ambitions. And I want us to know out of the gate this morning that it is God. Somebody say it's God. It's God that gives us these dreams. It's God that gives us these visions and these ambitions to do things greater than what we can do on our own. Godly ambition is God projected destiny. See, this is how it works. I want to explain it to you. You're just kind of going through life, and then all of the sudden, God gives you a vision of something way out here. And he gives you just kind of a glimpse as to what things could be like, and you're just kind of going along in life, and you see this vision, you see this direction, and then you point towards it, and it's by faith that you, that you begin to pursue it. You have no idea the steps that are involved in getting there. All you know is, is that God is pointing you and moving you in a direction. And so every single day, what you do is you get up and you take a step closer. You take a step closer. God might reveal to you just something additional and, and give you a little bit more details as you are moving. But I'm telling you that as in life, movement equals life. And, and, and it's just important that you, that you, that you, that you, that you don't stop moving. Amen. I've talked to a, a people that are, that are older than myself and they've shared with me, especially people that are very healthy and, and, um, and they're, you know what I'm saying, they're just very lively still and if you'll ask them questions, a lot of the times their answer as to why they're so healthy is because they haven't stopped moving. And then other people that are far less younger than, than some of the folks that I've spoken to, they look in a lot worse shape. Why? Because... They've stopped moving. They've limited on their, on their movement. So whenever it comes to godly vision and things like this, like I just encourage you to stay moving. God shows you this is who I see you to be. He gives you an idea of, as to what it is that he's called us to. And I'm telling you this, that you were created on purpose and for purpose. And the purpose in which God has created you is bigger than what you usually think. 
Now, there are some people that just like, they're just like, no, no, God's going to do big, big things in my life. And, and they have the ability just to, just to see the big picture. But for most of us, what it is that God wants to do is bigger than our ability to even imagine it. And then we get to this place, you know, where we're walking in it, and it's almost like, just pinch me because I feel like I'm dreaming. Just pinch me, pinch me now, you know, wake me up because this can't be my life. Godly ambition and dreams and vision are given to every single one of us. Like you might be sitting here today and you're like, oh, I just haven't got, been given any dreams or godly ambition or visions or things like that. And I'm telling you this, that there's nobody that God doesn't give these dreams and ambitions to. If you feel like you don't have one, maybe it's because you haven't received it as one. And you haven't taken ownership of what it is that God has spoken over your life. But I can promise you this, that he's always speaking and he's always directing. And dreams and vision and ambition is for every single one of you. Another thing that I want you to know about godly ambition is, is that the moment that you get it, the next thing that you should do is start looking for it to be challenged. Because the devil will always challenge what God is wanting to do in your life. Don't think that just be say, because God said, hey, listen, I want to do this thing in your life. Don't think that, that it's going to go unchallenged. You better believe it's going to go challenged. And so what you need to do is look for the challenge and just know that the challenge is coming. The hardship, the darkness, the struggle, the trouble, whatever it is. We've got three baptisms today in second service. I'm so excited. I love baptisms. We baptize so many people in and through this church. What a beautiful, beautiful ministry to be able to baptize people, people making a decision to follow Jesus. But do you know one of the conversations that myself and Pastor Javi and Pastor Matt and everybody else on the leadership team has when somebody says they want to get baptized, we tell them this is wonderful. It's the best decision you can ever make. There's fewer decisions that are greater than the one that you're making to get baptized. But be careful, because typically the week following the baptism, there's going to be some sort of trouble or struggle because of the decision, the, the outward confession of your faith, the decision that you have made to enter into the waters of baptized, to be baptized in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ Probably going to bring along some hardships, but guess what? The Lord is going to be with you, and you're going to be just fine. You know what I'm saying? So you set them up to know that this is not going to go unchallenged. 90% of the time, I'm telling you, people will come back. I'll say, I'll see them a week or two weeks later. I'll say, hey, how are, how are things? Well, you were right. <laughs> you were You were right. Went through a couple of hardships, a couple of difficulties, but you know what? God was with me, and I absolutely love that. See, the devil's intrusions encroach on God-given vision, and he is intrusive. He's always trying to get into places that he doesn't belong. It's kind of like if you fail to spray your house with insecticide, you're going to get ants and spiders and all the things that belong outside, inside. They're intrusive. You don't want them there, at least I hope you don't. And so you've taken measures. And I'm just saying this, that, 
The challenges are going to come, but if you fail to endure the challenge, then you'll never experience the victory. So what's the idea? The idea is you got to endure the challenges. You got to you know they're coming. There's no doubt, there's no question that they're coming. You've got to endure the hardships because the victory is coming. I remember whenever God had called us to come to Rupert. We had uh, uh, some elders in our church, and one of the elders that I had always looked up to, and, and we were sharing the idea that God had called us away from the church that we were uh, pastoring as, as youth pastors and young adult pastors. We were sharing with everybody that, listen, God has called us to, to Rupert. And I had one of these elders come up to me, a man well into his 70s, probably late 70s at that time, come up to me and he said, Pastor Travis, I'm concerned. I said, what are you concerned about? He said, I'm concerned. I don't believe you're supposed to go to Rupert. I, I don't believe that that's the case. And, and he even went as far as to say, and he's got family from the area here, this is what this man of God that I respect even still today, he's gone to be with the Lord but uh, he said, those folks are going to eat you alive. <laughs> and I was like, man, what am I getting into? You know? <laughs> and that was the truth. This is a godly man that had walked with God for many, many, many years. A guy that I would respected and looked up to for a long time. And he was telling me this. And so I want you to know that anytime God is doing something great, it's going to be challenging. It might come from spaces and places that you are not ready for. Now, I'm glad that I trusted God and didn't trust the voice of even a man that in this situation that I believed in, that I had great confidence in. Can I get a good amen there? The idea is the challenge is always the door to your destiny. If you will look at the challenge, if you'll look at the darkness, if you'll look at the trouble as the very door that you have to pass through to get to your destiny, it will help you out in huge ways. Come on, if everything that God is doing in your life, if those things are going to be challenged, then the challenge is the door actually to your destiny. And it's unfortunate, but so many people stop at the challenge. They're like, man, it caught, it's too costly. It's too hard. It's too difficult. And they pull up short and they, and they fold and they give up. And guess what? When you do that, you stop short of the victory. The benefits of the challenge is this. Challenges make you stronger. Challenges reinforce your why. Challenges make sure that you have pure motives as to why it is that you're doing what you're doing. See, people that have wrong motives, probably when the challenge comes, they're going to be the ones that are just going just to kind of bail out. The question is this, is can you trust God in the middle of your trouble? Can I trust God in the middle of my trouble? It's a really great question. I think it's a question that all of us need to, need to ask because trouble is a part of life. And if we just 
are God's servants and God followers whenever there's no trouble, then I guess you just pray for days of no trouble. But what do you do when the trouble comes? Can God trust you in times of trouble? One guy said it like this, that dreams tell you where you're going. Nightmares show you that you're on track. Everybody loves a good dream, a good vision-filled dream, but sometimes the nightmare shows and reveals that I'm on track. Why? Because the road always is challenged. Calvary came before the victory. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And hell said, oh yeah, the gates of hell are not going to prevail? Well, we've got our own plan. And we're going to divert your plan. We're going to stop you, Jesus. We're going to humiliate you, Jesus. Hell said, I'm going to hang you on a cross and I'm going to bury you in a tomb. But I want to remind you that he rose again on the third day. Yeah. Amen. And so, so even Jesus shows us that there is a challenge that he needed to walk through to get the victory. Jesus came out. The cross was en route. Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus just was born and then everything was, you know what I'm saying? No, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be the perfect lamb that was slain for the foundations of the world. Number one is this, you don't have to be in ministry to have godly ambition. Every single one of us, and all of us, the truth is, are ministers in some way, shape, or, or form. The second thing is, is that the purpose of visions and dreams are to inspire you to reach and to stretch and go beyond any place that you thought that you could ever go beyond. I want you to know that you're capable of more than you think. But sometimes, and, and I'm really, I've been kind of on this for a little while now, and I don't know if it's catchy or not. If it's just catching for me, it's catching enough. But I've been just on this space and this place that we, we have become so feeble and really weak in our minds and our bodies. And, um, and I'm just saying this, that sometimes, and I look at our ancestors and people that you know, people that settled the West and, and even further back, like these people had some tremendous resolve and they weren't always searching for what was comfortable and easy. Sometimes they were willing to do what was hard and difficult because they knew the value behind it. And I'm just saying walking with God is not for the faint hearted, right? Like sometimes walking with God, you've got to reach down into the deeper parts of the person and you literally have to get gritty spiritually. You have to get gritty spiritually. You got to really ask yourself, man, am I in this thing regardless of whatever it is that hell throws at me? And then a huge part of that is just realizing that even when you feel alone, you're never alone. You're never alone. He said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. And so 
the idea here is, is when you don't have the ability within yourself, cry out, call out, God, I absolutely need you. And guess what, man? God will show up because he's faithful. He is faithful. We got three people that have seen his faithfulness this morning. God uses setbacks often in Genesis chapter 20, 50 and verse 20, I'm sorry. Joseph says this, and he's speaking. This is the same guy that was thrown into the pit, and he was sold as a prisoner, and he had all these horrible things happen. And he's speaking to now his family after all these things have taken place. And he says, what the enemy has meant for evil, God has meant for good. See, Joseph was positioned and placed by God through some very difficult circumstances. And I don't think any of us would want to travel through what it is that Joseph traveled through. But let me just tell you, he literally was like one of the saviors to this community, to this region. God used him to save even his family. And so setbacks are caused or they're used to help us to discover who we really are. And setbacks also are used by God to show us new things about who God is. I want us to just to, just to listen just real quick that not every day is called to be a sunshiny day. I mean, if you think about this, it's God who created the seasons. Most people, most, most, most regions have four seasons. Here in Idaho, we have 62 of them. <laughs> it is the craziest weather that we have here in Idaho. You'll have an 85 degree day and the next day it's 42. I mean, it is just absolutely crazy, right? But I love me some Idaho, I can tell you that. I wouldn't want to be any bit, any place else. But even God and how he sets up, come on, different seasons, shows us that not every single day, spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally, not every single day is going to be a sunshiny day. And in fact, I would stretch it and go as far as to say that you're going to learn more about God in the difficult times than you ever will on the good times. He is going to reveal who he is more to you in and through the troubles and the struggles and the darkness. When you have nothing more to lean on but to lean on him, he's going to show up and show off and show you that he's always faithful. In fact, even in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43 and verse 2, it says this, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall... Somebody want to answer that? I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, <laughs> anybody walk through some fire in life? When you walk through, not if you, might you, you may, 
When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. I think it's so wild. I, I wish I knew more about God, but, but sometimes when we feel isolated and sometimes when we feel alone and, 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 and sometimes when we feel like, 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 you know what I'm saying, nobody understands or nobody knows, it's during this time, this perfect time, which I would call a perfect storm, that God chooses to go completely silent. <laughs> what? Hey, at a time where like, you know what I'm saying? You're like, God, I need to hear a loud voice. You know what I'm saying? Like I need to hear a shout from the mountaintop, something that just is, is bone shifting and shaking. That's what I need and you go silent? I want you to know this, that even though it seems as if God is not a there, not a there, <laughs> Even though it seems that God is not a there, God is not a there. He is there and he's doing something significant. He's doing something powerful. He is increasing your faith. He's, he is saying, listen, I've walked close. I've been shouting for a long time. Now, come on, I've showed you some things back here. What I want you to do is take what I showed you back here into the present and walk by faith. And I'm going to strengthen you during this time as you exercise faith and you believe. Amen. And then guess what? He's going to show back up again and you're going to be hearing him and and it's cyclical. It happens. Like God is a systems-driven God. Some of you that are systems-driven, I think he's got a calendar, has everything written on it. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. God is perfect in all things. The third thing is difficult days handled well. This is the idea. When you handle difficult days well, you will silence the voice of the devil. Why? Because the devil's a liar. You can't do that. You're going to fail at that. Who do you think you are? And, and, and at the end, he's saying things like this in our ear. He's saying things like this. This world would just be better. Your family would be better if you weren't even present. Lies, 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 lies. All lies of the devil because the only thing that he knows how to do is to lie. There's not truth in him. He is the father of lies. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come to give you life and life to the full, Amen. right? So he's a liar. And whenever God takes you through those lies and he's speaking truth as the devil's open his mouth and lying, but God is speaking truth and he brings you through, then guess what? The devil has no more air in his lungs. To speak another lie, he shuts his mouth. Why? Because you have seen the hand of God move in your life. I love that. Jesus proves that the victory often lies beyond the difficulty. Yes, Jesus hung on a cross, but he rose again. Job shows us in his story that that if you will just endure, when you endure the hardship, then comes the double portion blessing. Guess what? You're not going to get the double portion blessing if you give up. 
In Job, the Bible says this about him. In all of his loss, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. In everything that happened, and, and I'm just saying this boldly and out loudly, I don't want to have anything to do with what Job went through. But in all of his loss, he did not sin or charge God wrongly. Joseph went to the, through the pit to the prison. Come on, he, he had all these false accusations against him, but this was the path to God fulfilling his destiny or his dream. Man, oh man, oh man, sometimes God has to take you through hard times to get you where you're going to be useful not only for yourself and for your family but maybe millions of people and it doesn't come easy just because God said listen this is where we're going see most of us would love it God says listen I'm going to give you this vision out here and then it's just going to go unchecked, unchallenged. That would be lovely, right? No, it wouldn't be. Because there is a work that God is doing every single step that you take, creating you, molding you, making you into his image and likeness. And sometimes that is only forged through the fire. When God's goals are near, life's challenges multiply. When you get close to what it is that God is wanting to do in your life, challenges begin to multiply. It's the same thing on a, on a football field. Sometimes if you're watching the football game, you'll have a team that has no problems, no trouble. Come on, 10 yards here, 20 yards there, 30 yards. 15 yards here, they're getting first down after first down after first down after first down after first down. And then all of the sudden, you get to what is called the red zone. And even sometimes, you get all the way down to the five-yard line. But yet, you have one down, they stop you. Two downs, they stop you. Three downs, they stop you. Four downs, they stop you, and it's a turnover. Or you've got to kick a field goal when you've went all this distance, but you can't get five more yards. Why is that? It's because the opposing team often, they'll do a lot of different things. Sometimes they'll send out the bigger guys onto the field. Sometimes they'll send out fresh guys Sometimes they have been practicing this five-yard defense more than you've been practicing your five-yard offense. Like you've been looking for the long pass, the long pass, the run. Come on, the option. You've been looking at all of these other things, but you haven't been looking about how do you punch it through? How do you finish? And this is the deal is that spiritually some of you are facing some fresh demons that are big demons in life. And they're lying to you and they're challenging you. If they prepped for this time, you are on the verge of stepping in to your destiny, crossing over from where you've been to where it is that God wants you to be. And yet you've got this monstrous of a demon that is challenging you. And instead, you're saying, man, there's no way. And this is what we even self-profess. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Right? But with God, all things are possible, right? 
All things are possible in him, by him, and through him. All things are possible. That thing that you're facing right now is a lie. It has no substance, and it might present big, and it's ugly, and it's terrible, and it's hard, and it hurts, and you feel it. You tangibly feel. You feel the pressure. You feel you, you haven't slept well in months. You know what I'm saying? You're buying new mattresses, but it doesn't have anything to do with the pillow that you've just purchased. It has to do with your mindset. It has to do with where your trust is lying. It has to do with your ability to take what was spoken over you back here to the presence and God, whether I've heard you speak since then or not, I know you spoke it and I know you're not a liar and I'm going to stand on the promises of God and you're going to see me through this. See, it's a sign when you're challenged so much. It's like that five yard line. It's a sign that you're closer to the goal than you ever have been before. Listen, this is why we need the Holy Ghost in our life every day. This is why we need to be kingdom connected every day. This is why we can't afford, you know what I mean, just to give God a little bit here and a little bit there and his church a little bit here and a little bit there. We need it every day because the devil is an ambition killer. He's a dream stealer. He is very good at what he does. He's a liar, but there's no substance in his lies if you don't give it to him. So he's relentless. And I'm just saying this, that it's time for the church, come on, to fight back and be relentless as well in the Lord. See, you're not a failure if you fail. You're only a failure if you quit. I used to think differently, man, I failed. That means I'm a failure. No, I failed. That just means I'm getting stronger because I'm choosing not to quit. I'll run it again. Genesis 28, Jacob went to Bethel and he laid his head down on a rock. And as he laid his head down on the rock and he fell asleep, come on, God opened up the heavens and gave him a tremendous heavenly vision. And so one of the many ideas that there are in this story is where is your head at? Because the head, and, and we've got people like Joyce Meyer and so many different people that have written incredible books. And, and um, called the battlefield of the mind. A lot of the reasons, you know what I mean, that we come up short is because of our thinking, right? Our thinking. And, um, and so my question is this, is where is your head? Right? John the Beloved, John the Beloved if, if you look at the Last Supper, the beautiful painting of the Last Supper, John is the one that's leaning over on Jesus' chest. He chose to lay his head on the chest of Jesus to be in close uh, proximity, right, with Jesus. And later on, that same John became John the Revelator. He was exiled to the island of Patmos, and I believe wholeheartedly that he never forgot the time that he was laying on the chest of Jesus. And I believe wholeheartedly that while he was exiled, isolated, and all alone, he was never alone because he remembered the love of Jesus. 
And I believe that it was the very thing that carried him through complete and total isolation. And then because he was faithful and endured through all of that, God said, listen, I'm going to open up the heavens once again, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you up so that you could see some things. And I believe there's 22 or maybe 23 chapters of Revelation that were given to John in this moment, which is our book of Revelation that we have today. Where's your head? Because where your head is, it matters a great deal. The devil will use the voice of other people. I shared with you one story of a, uh, I'm not saying that this guy was necessarily used by the devil, but certainly was used to sow seeds of doubt in my life. But the devil will use people, you know what I'm saying, to to cause you to question or to cause you to second guess. And we see this, that 10 people's decision caused 3 million people to wander around 40 additional years in the desert because of a decision that 10 people made. Saul told David, you can't go out there and fight Goliath with a sling and a stone. This is what you need. You need to put on this clunky old armor that doesn't even fit you, this helmet that just covers your eyes. You can't even see anything and wield this massive sword that you can't even hardly pick up by yourself. And David came to him. He's like, listen, man, you don't understand how God has used this little rock in this little leather sling, you know what I mean, to give me victories in the past. I'm going to use what it is that God has helped me to use in my past. He's going to use it again in the present. I don't need all that extra weight. In fact, I believe wholeheartedly if David would have went out on that battlefield, as Saul wanted him to go out on that battlefield, he may not have returned. So in closing, I want to share with you a story. It's found in Genesis chapter 21. And you can pick it up right around verse 17, but this is a story where you've got Abraham and you've got Sarah, and they can't get pregnant. There was a promise that God had given them in their old age that, that, that Sarah was going to become pregnant and the son of promise was going was to be given. And they tried and tried and tried, and, and it didn't work. It didn't work. And so... Sarah has this wonderful idea. She says, listen, I've got a handmaiden uh, named Hagar, and, and uh, she goes to her husband. She had to really argue with him a lot, you know what I mean, to, for him to, to say yes to it. But she says, listen, I want you to lay down with Hagar, and, and she's going to be my surrogate. And through her, God is going to fulfill the promise of a child. So Abraham says yes, and, and they do that, and, and, uh, and, and Hagar becomes pregnant with a boy, and they named him Ishmael. And then all of a sudden, time goes by, and God fulfills his original promise to Sarah, which he promised all the way back here, but they got, you know, they just, they, they were impatient, and, and so she finally becomes pregnant, but now there's this major problem, and the problem is jealousy. 
She feels that, you know, Hagar, she's been treating her differently and wrongly, and, and she's actually elevated herself above Sarah now because she has the firstborn son and is causing all kinds of problems. And so finally, after many things happening, Sarah goes to Abraham and she says, listen, you got to get rid of that woman and get rid of that son too. And any man will wear down after a while. And he said, okay, I'll do it. The Bible says that he took Hagar and took Ishmael and he sent them off into the desert. Gave them a couple of canteens full of water. Maybe gave them a little bit of food. But I'm certain, I'm certain that Abraham in the back of his mind must have been thinking, how in the world are they going to survive out there? And he was right. It was just a little bit of time they ran out of water. A little bit of time they ran out of food and they were desperate. And I'm just saying this, that in a time of desperation, they made some decisions. And I'm telling you that decisions are not meant to be made in a time of desperation, especially big decisions. And so the boy is dying. He doesn't have any water. She has no resources. She can't go out and kill an animal and find some water. And so what does she do? She takes the promise, the blessing, the gift, the dream, the vision, and the Bible says that she puts him under a bush and then she removes herself far from that place because she couldn't stand listening to her son cry. She couldn't stand watching him die. And so she removes herself. So she's got the blessing. She's got the promise. She's got the gift. But a moment of discouragement and disappointment, she drops it. And then she leaves it. What does the Bible say? The Bible says this, that God heard the boy crying. The boy left to die under a bush. God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar, his mother, from heaven and said to her, what is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she's seen. she never seen this before. In fact, I believe God created it right then and there. Open her eyes, and she's seen a well of water. So she went and she filled the skin, the canteen, with water and gave the boy to drink. I think this is so powerful that even when you give up, a godly given dream does not die. Why? Because God doesn't die. Amen. She gave up on it. God called back out to her and said, what are you doing? What's the matter? What is wrong? And then all of the sudden where there were no resources, where there were no answers, God shows up. And you can study it out. Ishmael grown up to be a, an incredible hunter and God blessed him and, and incredible things happened. But if it was left to Hagar, the boy would have died. 
and so would have she. I've been through some storms in my life, as I know you have also. And I want you to know this, that in my own life, I've seen God show up at the 12th hour. Whenever it seems like there's no possible way, I'm ready to give up. I'm just like, man, what's the use? What's the word? I've seen God show up so many times in the 12th hour that it has shown me this. There is another side. And on the other side is the promise. On the other side is increased faith. On the other side is the blessing. On the other side is the victory. On the other side is the purpose. And so my, my call and my cry out is, is that if you are in a space, in a place where you just don't feel like you don't have any more, I want you to know that God is still working. He's still there. He will show up. Don't give up. Keep going. If all you can do is lift your foot and take a tiny step, take a tiny step and see what it is that God will do. Because God will gather the broken pieces and he'll put that baby back together even better than what it was before it was broken. That's the God that we serve, amen? I wish, I wish we could sit around and talk about personal testimonies where you've seen this to be true in your own life. We don't have time. But my challenge is this, that as you go throughout the day, just give God some thanks when you were ready to give up that he sustained you and he's brought you through and you're experiencing things that you never thought you were gonna experience, but you're experiencing them today. And if you're here and you're ready to give up, I'm asking you, please just trust me because I'm not lying to you. I have seen this in my own life and this room is filled with people that have seen it in theirs. Take another step. Trust God, bring him into the center. And I promise you this, he will not forsake you and he will not leave you empty handed. Amen. Amen. I wanna pray for you real quick. Thank you, Lord, for these people. And I'm asking you, Lord, that if there are any here today that need to receive you, to receive encouragement from you, I ask in Jesus' name that they would just say yes to you, Lord, right now. Your word says that if we just simply believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved. And I speak life and salvation to these people here today. Online, I'm asking you, Lord, if there's anybody that needs to ask for forgiveness of doubt or sin or shame or just shortcomings, huge mistakes, little mistakes, failures, whatever, Lord, I pray that they would bring these to you, trusting God that you are faithful to do what you said you will do. I know this is true. Forgive them of their sins. Restore them. Revive them. Pick them up. And Lord, do something mighty and great and miraculous in and through their life. I pray these things today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you all. God bless you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.